Welcome back, guys. Another episode today. I am excited to be back with John and Wenny. Last time I was interviewing Kent and we had left off with talking about Asian parents. And on that topic, we would like to expand more on that and to just share a little bit about our backgrounds, our family backgrounds, how we've dealt with our parents and what we would kind of do differently. There's a lot to unpack here. I think there's going to be a lot of discussions around this. And Wenny, maybe you can start off to give us some information. What was your upbringing and background like? Well, okay, so I was born and raised in a Christian family. Um, so whenever people ask about like what my parents were like, I always describe them with the triple C's. They were Chinese, conservative, and Christian. Yeah, their parenting style and their personality trait just by like thinking about those type of ways to describe a parent. Yeah. So definitely grew up in a setting where I dealt with more authoritarian parenting style. They were quite quite strict parents. Uh, I wouldn't say they were too Asian. Like I didn't experience my mom being a tiger mom per se, but there's definitely a lot of rules in the house where I felt it was different than a lot of people I knew, even though we all went to a private school setting. Like there were some times that they're a bit more extreme. So were you born here? I was born I here. Yeah, you're born in Canada. Okay. Yeah. And your parents are, they are first generation, like they moved here or? They moved here. So yeah, my mom immigrated here in 1993. She was here for a year and then she had me. Yeah, my parents immigrated here in early 1990. You would think that I think when they moved here, they would kind of start being a bit more westernized because they spent more than half their life here. But no, they still kept to their traditional Chinese values Mm -hmm. with how my brother and I were brought up. So I'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, for, for myself, I was born here as well. I, I, just same as Wenny. My parents came here. They're both originally from Hong Kong, but they came here in 1975. Like, so my dad went to the, he actually went to the, the U.S. first. And then I think my mom came directly here. So uh, she was more conservative, I would say, of the two. My dad experienced a lot more than her, I would say. So uh, for myself, I've been able to kind of take characteristic from both of them so yeah it's it's a nice mix between asian traditions and westernized as well because if i ask my mom now um you know she, she would never move back to hong kong like she loves vancouver like this is her home forever so that's uh i guess that's kind of the same mentality that i have this this will be my home for for the long run as well so that's kind of my quick parental background very similar here yeah so i was born in hong kong i moved here to vancouver in the early 90s i was a baby and the reason my mom came here was because she was in part scared of the Tiananmen square incident back then and before 97 there was gonna be that whole uproar of hong kong returning to china Mm. Mm -hmm. and so she moved before 97 to here and my dad followed suit and that's kind of what brought us here Mostly, my friends know, but uh, shortly after my parents moved, my parents separated. I think they were together for only half a year in Canada. Mm -hmm. And then my dad moved back to Hong Kong for a quote-unquote more lucrative career. My mom raised me in Vancouver. That's kind of my background. And some of the things that we can talk about, which would be interesting, is maybe the notion of what asian parents are like and the stereotypes there are a lot of stereotypes with asian parents see the term like tiger moms thrown out there extreme stereotype thrown out there my way or the highway my house my rule you know certain certain oh my. professions that are deemed as 
successes, you know, doctor, lawyer. Well, luckily we have a doctor here, so. One of they, us made it all right. Yeah, they, David made it, so that I, I guess we're we're successful by by committee. Yeah, three Asians make <laughs> their parents proud. <laughs> we were the disappointments, yeah. So no, I'll go into that too. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, those are kind of like the mainstream, like strict, emotionally distant, never hug you, never give you kind of validation. I guess that's the stereotype. I don't know if that's true for. We'll we'll talk about where your sure. thoughts and feelings aren't really considered and. It really goes by what they grew up with and they try to just carry that down with your with your kind of lifestyle, even though the generation's completely different. There's just yeah. there's just a clash. Yeah. yeah. I think tiger moms just aren't that accepting of how things change or how times change because they're still stuck in their old ways and they're just very like ingrained with their old old habits and like old mm-hmm. viewpoints. I'm curious to hear because I don't know your parents too well. Both Wendy and John. Well, John, I know your mom a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'd like to hear from Wendy. I'll start with my mom, I guess, because that's the easy one to talk about. My mom, I wouldn't say she's a tiger mom, but she definitely has very extreme parenting styles, I would say, because if she didn't like something, she would just make it an automatic rule where it just, I wouldn't be allowed to do it. There was no sitting down and talking about it there was no communication about oh how how I felt about the situation it was just her saying no and that was that so that was just kind of her personality trait but um when I say I don't think she was a good tiger mom I I did grow up you know doing Kumon and put in a learn all the different learning centers in Lower Mainland my parents even had their own learning center at one point so you can imagine how many different classes and tutor sessions I would take but um they wouldn't do it in a way where I just hated learning you know they did it in a way where I felt like it was supporting me and for my own good even when I was younger and grow up till now so I don't think that it was like a tiger mom style where I had to get straight A's or I had to do this but they just wanted to support me in my education which I think is a good trait so that's so my parents were really strict but I also say they're very supportive um but my mom she well both my parents are also very strict in a sense where as a girl they cared a lot about my outer appearance for some odd reason I don't know why when I say outer appearance um they're very conservative I wouldn't be able to wear a lot of clothes that just any clothes that showed skin I wasn't allowed to show like the front the back the anywhere just like arms maybe only that's it but honestly even up till now I wouldn't be able to I mean obviously because of COVID I haven't gone clubbing for a while but (laughs) I would not even till this day and age I would not be able to go out in what I would actually wear Right. You know, to 12 S or something, or like, I would have to just put a little, I, like a shirt over or a cardigan over. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, maybe I'm still kind of a bit, I don't know if she's the worst traumatized, yeah, traumatized by how much trouble I would get when I was younger, that maybe if I did try to walk out now like that, it would be a bit better, but because of how strict they were and how I looked and how I appeared back then, I would still mm-hmm. not feel comfortable and letting them see me like that. <laughs> so, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because my parents, they were really involved with the church, especially my dad. He was the pastor's translator at our family church. So maybe that's why with a conservative Christian background, it is mm. a bit important, you know, how you look and how you present yourself to society, which I, I understand. But I do feel like it was a bit extreme. For example, I wasn't allowed to wear makeup until graduating high school and then I wear makeup to university. So what happened was that I would put makeup on on the school bus 
every morning or no, before the, I would, no, I would put makeup on and then get mm-hmm. on the school bus without my parents seeing me somehow. And I would take it all off before going home. So that, wow. that happened from grade uh, 10 to 12, actually. Yeah. Grade 10 to 12. So, wow. Wow. was that your rebellious phase? Yeah, I just had to keep a lot of secrets from my parents. I would, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to hang out with certain people. For example, this goes back to the parents too. So, if I wanted to hang out with people from public schools, they wouldn't want me to have friends that dyed their hair or had piercings or probably had tattoos and just because that they felt like, oh, that certain look that means like they're bad kids, they get bad grades, and they do bad things. But right. I, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. in a sense, that was a bit true sometimes, but but the fact that they really pushed their opinion out on me like that and just felt like, oh, if you look a certain way, you're not going to have you know a, a good future. That that's just like it defines you as a whole person. It kind of made me resent them in a bit, and that made me want to look that way a bit more than maybe like compared to if they were being a bit more accepting, I would have maybe like realized, okay, maybe I shouldn't. I always dress up like some heady looking girl and like get myself in trouble or like, or hang out with the wrong crowd specifically just because I wanted to be bad. You know what I mean? Like if they gave me a little bit more freedom, maybe I would have eased more into, okay, maybe I should try to hang out with people that aren't always getting in trouble or like maybe make better decisions for myself. So David, when you were growing up, did you know you wanted to be a doctor or is that something your parents tried to like mold and shape you into? Or is that that was out of your own motivation and own ability to become a doctor? Okay, so going back to growing up, I had a very fractured relationship with my parents. And it wasn't until I think like grade 9 or 10 that I met some key older figures that were positive influences. Because mm. up until that point, I was, you know, drinking. I was getting into fights at school. Not super <laughs> often, but it was... I was heading on the wrong path. I was definitely, I was getting straight C's at school. No. I was not, no, I was not an A student. I was like shit in school. But but I, I didn't, I never, I don't know. I felt like I still tried. It was just that I couldn't concentrate. And there was so, hmm. I think I had anger issues growing up because right. it was just pretty bad. Yeah, so, no, I, I emphasize that. <laughs> yeah, so there were a couple of key moments. One was... I had an older brother figure that I met actually at a day camp at church and he was a future physician. So he's a physician now, but he was a good mentor mm-hmm. and he was started to tutor me in math. I never did his homework, but spending time with him rubbed off on me some good qualities. And mm-hmm. aside from that, I remember there was one key event. So in grade nine, I remember coming home. I was always causing my mom to cry. And I don't know, there was just like an epiphany or some type of light bulb moment where I came home, couldn't find my mom. Usually she will ask me like, oh, where the, where were you? Or mm. she'll be really mm-hmm. ma- mad or angry. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when I came home, there was just silence. Mm-hmm. It was really weird because I was expecting to be grounded or expected to be beat <laughs> with a ruler or something like that. When <laughs> was this? Was, when, how old were you when this happened? I think it was grade nine. Grade it was nine. Pretty young. It was that pretty is pretty young. young to have an epiphany yeah. at that age. I wish I had mine then. I'm still waiting <laughs> for mine. <laughs> it was a bad year. It was just constantly going out and coming back and basically caused my mom to cry a lot. Mm. Anyways, that night I came back dead silent in the house. I couldn't find my mom. So I was like, okay, is there anyone home? 
and mm-hmm. I I just walked into my mom's room and I just could see her sobbing and crying and as if she'd given up hope on me I guess mm-hmm. and it was like a really crushing moment because I never saw my mom be vulnerable like that she was always this super mom super strong on the outside mm-hmm. was a vice president very successful general manager of a big company in Hong Kong superstar really and then seeing her reduced to tears and being so emotional and vulnerable was, yeah, it was a shocker for me. It was eye shocker for me. At that moment, I kind of was like, this is a bit ridiculous that I've caused so much pain to my parents and my mom in particular. And I didn't want to do that anymore. So it was kind of a 180 degree, almost 180 degrees. It was a little bit bumpy, but Mm-hmm. From that point on, slowly, I think between the grade, between the period of grade nine to 11, it was very different. And I was able to focus more on the academics and positive stuff. So I actually started trying and seeing that there was a possibility to do something with my life. Going back to your question, no, I did not know that I wanted to do medicine. I did pharmacy because my good friend was in pharmacy school and said that it was a good gig at the time you just finish your first degree you can come out and make decent amount of money whatever that is so i kind of followed that route Mm -hmm. and then while i was doing that i did more introspection and reflection Mm. and looking back at myself and growing up i think that's how it relates to why i was interested in psychiatry because with my own childhood being a little bit rocky and learning in psychiatry how kids grow up and what influences people to become the way they are. I found that learning about psychology and psychiatry really helped me learn about myself and to understand why I did the things I did when I was younger. So it was in that type of reflection and experiences from my childhood that led me to want to study psychiatry and to kind of help similar people mm-hmm. who've gone through, I guess, rough childhoods or more difficult upbringings. There's a ton of kids who have way tougher upbringings than I did. People in foster homes, people right. who are abused. All of my experiences growing up was kind of full circle, helped me to want to study medicine after finishing pharmacy, eventually psychiatry. It's awesome how it it is kind of your upbringing that led you to what you do today. And even though it wasn't directly, it wasn't like direct inspiration from your parents to like bring you to medicine. It's actually that if you took them out of the picture, maybe you wouldn't be where you are today. Just like, yeah, you wouldn't wouldn't be born if they were out of the picture. (laughs) Without their, without your upbringing and how everything took place, like it just led you to go to the direction yeah. yeah they were a bit surprised that i chose psychiatry but they, oh. they've come to yeah. accept it and they're like <laughs> they're pretty supportive now i don't think there's a lot of awareness of what to health really is in asian families yeah totally no, to be honest totally. Yeah. part of this podcast is to bring light to that there are a lot of asian families out there and a lot of people listening that have gone through in the family their mental health and mm-hmm. it's good to talk about it it's good to bring it out totally yeah i was gonna adding to that i mean i shouldn't really be speaking on behalf of my brother but just as an older sister and just from like a like a third party perspective between how his relationship is with my parents I just think that because he saw what I kind of went through in a way with how everything that they didn't accept or they didn't like it was it was just 
out of kind of like pure judgment and pure discipline from my parents. So I don't know. I don't really know exactly how to describe my brother's personality because he's never really shown it because he's just been really quiet and sheltered and kind of hidden in a way. So sometimes I do think um, mental health, yeah, is brushed aside and it's just like overlooked sometimes because there's just like no sense of like, I guess like safety and communication between parents because we're just so worried that if it's something that they're not going to agree with, they're just going to give us like a hard time about it or try to make us change your mind about it so i think that kind of that's kind of like a reflection of how my brother's relationship with my my like parents and their strict parenting style is right yeah but for me i think i'm a bit more strong-minded and a bit more like hard-headed so even if they tried to do that to me they weren't mm-hmm. able to like they weren't able to kind of make me hide away like how I was like it was so my root was a rebellious way I had to break out of it but I think for my brother in terms of mm-hmm. how he reacts to it is that he just completely keeps things to himself and he just doesn't share what's going on so yeah it's definitely a, a like an ongoing process like our relationship with our parents it's you know you just gotta take it day by day and kind of understand that they're not gonna change and you don't also have to feel like you have to change for them, but it's just kind of, yeah, just really taking it day by day and just trying to like meet them halfway, especially in an Asian household. It's either you meet them half, try to meet them halfway or it's, <laughs> you just, right. you just move out, you know, there's not yeah. really any other option. <laughs> Communication is not often a strong point of Asian families, especially no. regarding emotions and feelings. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. I guess that segues into what we would do differently, at least for me. Mm-hmm. I know I would try to have more conversations about how do you feel and understanding that if kids feel frustrated, that they should, it's okay to voice it out if they feel angry. Right. I would say not to bottle it in mm-hmm. and to discuss it with their parents to know how to emotionally regulate yourself yeah. so that you don't deal with it with other means, like unhealthy means, like using... Yes substances mm-hmm. or drugs or rebellious ways yeah but what would what else would you guys do differently do you guys feel ready do you guys i know none of us are- <laughs> uh well i mean i kind of I, I talked a little bit about it earlier for what i would do differently um in terms of the communication so for example you know when i did live with my mom obviously fighting is is, is a lot more apparent it, it happens more often when you're living in the same household so it's taken definitely like many years and many discussions between her and myself um, to see, you know, why are we arguing all the time? But, um, you know, I look at my relationship now with her and yeah, obviously it's better that we're not in the same household anymore. But that being said, uh, even leading up to that, I would say generally for the past, you know, year and a half, two years, it's been pretty solid. Like now I'm to the point where there's really nothing that I don't talk to my mom about obviously like my personal personal life with my with my girlfriend like personal details like those i don't talk to her about obviously but everything else like life you know financials plans all that stuff that like there's there's no wall between her and i now and i think that's a good thing i think that Mm -hmm. was a big struggle between her and i when i was younger and that's not all her fault it was part of my personality where i you know i wouldn't disclose everything um, and that was something that was, you know, a, that's going to create tension, obviously, right? So um, to answer your question, Dave, am I ready? I think no one's ever fully ready. But, you know, if it happens, hopefully in the next, you know, couple of years or so, there's definitely a lot of things that I've learned from my own parents. You know, my, my brother, he has two daughters. 
a lot of close friends that have friends uh, their own kids right now as well. So open communication and just uh, just talking because, like you said, it, in Asian culture, it's not as like open as like you know, let's say Western white cultures. You know, my mom would never be like, "Oh, I love you." Her way of saying "I love you" is like making me soup or like making me food, right? It's just it's mm-hmm. just how <laughs> she expresses her her love, right? So yeah, I I have no problem, you know, telling my son, my daughter. Hey, like, good job. You know, I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm mad at you. You need to improve on this. You need to do this. So, um, I, I, hopefully, if we can instill that when they're younger, when they get older, it, it's not going to be like us, where you know we don't, you know, where Asian parents can't communicate to their parents, right? So that's that's something I would do. I would like encourage them to come to me with anything. Don't be scared. You know, if you if you think you're getting in trouble or whatnot, I would just be more open and be like. Whatever you're thinking of, I've probably done it in the past myself. So just be open and then, and then go from there. So that's what I would know when you... Yeah, I mean, kind of going off what you're saying, I think as a parent, you would also want to share your past experiences with your child because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm obviously not ready to have children anytime soon, but I can just see that when I, you know, over the years, like I'm going to learn more, I'm going to overcome more, I'm going to endure more, like more just like life experiences where if I go through all these things, I wouldn't want to see my child in the future making the same mistakes or kind of taking the path that they don't necessarily have to go on. You know, you'll obviously want to protect your child, even though you, you, you're you not prepared ever. Like, you don't know how they're going to be. Like, I, I could... I could have a daughter and she could grow up just to be as rebellious as I was. And I'm just going to... Yeah, you just don't know. It's like, okay, do I do do I handle it in the way my parents did or do I take a completely different approach? I think I would meet halfway. So halfway as in I would want there to be trust levels. I would want there to be a safe space for my daughter to, you know, share with me what she's going through just so because like she doesn't have Mm -hmm. to deal with everything behind closed doors. And as a kid, like thinking back in retrospect, when I was a kid in high school, I was making bad decisions. Right. So you just don't, you just want to be able to be there for them, parent them as, in a way where you, they don't want to always lie just to like avoid punishment. I don't want that at all because that's how I grew up, right? I became a very good liar. I just, I just like, and it's nothing I'm proud of, but it's, it was just to avoid yes. getting caught, right? Yeah. One time in high school, it, I was, like I said, I was a bad egg and people in my school, they kind of knew of that and my mom she works at the elementary school too and then one day she came out to her car and there were like pictures on her car with like pictures of me just like going out or like me wearing makeup and me partying with people yeah someone actually made like a collage and posted on her car and they would even circle like all part of my ears where I got piercings and they didn't know about like all these things I was hiding from my parents exposed on her car and yeah it's just like no one ever wants to be put in that situation it's it's traumatizing and it's like it's very exposing it's embarrassing for both the parent and the child like that should be a private conversation between you two it shouldn't be other people kind of telling you like oh this is what's going on in your child's life that you don't know about I definitely that's like the main thing I would do raising my kids. I just, I'm not going to try to be a cool mom. You know, (laughs) I obviously want there to be structure in my child's life too. I don't want to just be that carefree parent because I do appreciate the sacrifices that my parents went through to shape me to like have a better life. But I also want to find that middle ground where I can accept my child for who they are as a whole, but also be there to guide them along the way 
and just try my best to um, help them not make the same mistakes I did. That is a great way to <laughs> end the episode today. Super interesting hearing about your experiences. And so that was a good look or peek into Asian parents. I definitely know we can talk more about that in the future if need be. We can look forward to coming up in our future episodes. We're going to be delving into Asian culture growing up in Canada or North America as a CBC, Canadian-born Chinese. Stay tuned, everyone. We will be back.